Hello and welcome to Jumpstart Weekly, the weekly Shonen Jump manga podcast where every week we read all the chapters available on Viz's Shonen Jump website. I'm your host, Jeremy. And I'm your host, Kevin. And then we read a collected volume of something. And this week we're reading one of my favorite series of all time, Yu Yu Hakusho Volume 1. But before we get to that, we have some Shonen Jump, although not nearly as much as last week. Yeah, definitely a short magazine. Yeah. Because, what was it, One Piece and Promised Neverland were off? Yeah, which also made it kind of disappointing because those are two of our favorites. Yeah, the top of the list definitely had some. I was like, oh, oh yeah, I, I don't have some of my favorite manga to put on the list. Yeah, after so. the top three this week, there was a much sharper drop-off than normal. At least I felt that way. Depending on what your top there is, yeah. Yeah. So, shall we just uh, get into it? Yeah, let's jump in. We start with another brand new series, and I imagine we're going to get one more next week, which is Double Taisei, Chapter 1, The Sun and the Stars, which starts with a very weird single-color page. Yes. Of two uteruses, you know. That's how all good manga series start, right? Yep. What did you think of Double Taisei, Kevin? It's interesting. Yeah, I weirdly liked this first chapter a lot more than I liked Samurai 8's first chapter, although I ended up ranking it much lower this week, which we'll talk about when we get to it later. Yeah, it was, strangely enough, not the first shogi manga I have read in Shonen Jump. I've read a Go manga from Shonen Jump, but... Yeah, they had another shogi manga in one of their jump starts that I'm assuming must be not being translated. Or canceled, who knows? Canceled would be my bet. It, it it depends. Like, I could see it doing that, but like you've said, there's a ton of series that aren't being translated, so maybe... Because, I mean, it made it into Jumpstart, so it made it to get translated, so it must have had some popularity. This was pretty interesting twist on the split personality thing. I first want to talk about the art style, because it's very, very bishy, especially for, like, a shonen manga. Mm-hmm. The guys are all drawn kind of like romance characters, and same with the female characters, even the ones that clearly aren't supposed to be love interests, like the main character's mother. Yep. So the plot is there are two characters, Ty and Say, and like Kevin kind of gave away, they are the same person. Ty is alive and awake during the day, and Say is alive and awake at night. Yeah, there's some, it, like we like Jeremy said, with two fetuses in the uterus, at the opening page, they kind of like morph together as one somehow. They also have a best friend girl who is the only, not the only person who knows their secret, but I guess their only classmate that knows. Yep. Who they treat kind of like a sister. I was, my notes kept saying sister question mark, but then we find out she lives somewhere else. So probably not. Also, their mom knows and is surprisingly cool with this. Yep. Her exact reaction is like, oh, cool. I have another kid now. Yep. But without all the extra bills of another kid, I guess. Yeah, awesome. I don't have to feed him anymore. I didn't have to give birth to him again. But I have two now. So the two are both very into shogi, but Tai more than Sei, because Sei used to be into shogi, basically, and then like just started trying a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, Sei is the knight personality. Yes. Right now he's trying to get really good at playing guitar, but he's been into just a whole bunch of different things. Yeah, and they're seen as somewhat prodigies in all of them. Like, Ty is, or Say is fairly good at singing, but not amazing. Like, 
he has some people who are like, oh, man, your music's great. And other people are like, ah, oh, what's that brat doing? Yeah, there's one point where a cop's like, I got a noise complaint. You guys need to sing louder because the spirit of Japan needs excited youths. Yep. Meanwhile, Tai is tomorrow going to like do some sort of tournament to become a pro shogi player. Yeah, it sounded like he was. It was like essentially a pro tour qualifier. Like tons of places have that where you have yeah, to true. get into matches in order to make it onto the pro tour. So he's doing that. He's doing a, either a tournament or a match to qualify. Like whoever wins is going to qualify to become a professional. And we also find out that. When they were younger, the two used to play basically shogi by mail, only it was they had a board set up and they'd each make a move every day slash night. Yep. Until Say just lost interest in it. And Ty is like super obsessed with the game that they were playing five years ago, I think it was. Yeah. And he quit. Yeah, he quit playing shogi five years ago. So Say gets beat up at night trying to save their female friend from some YouTube hooligans. Yeah. Um, who were trying to buy her panties and grope her. Like, man, I I could see that YouTube channel existing, which saddens me. Yeah. I mean, it does seem like it would probably exist in Japan and not here. Yes. I feel like here it would come with some arrests. Yeah, but like what I meant, what I more meant was is I could see somebody coming up with that channel yeah. idea. Yes. Unfortunately, so could I. So Say gets kind of beat up, but uh, Ty notes that like he... Even when he's in a fight, he never lets his right hand, which is the shogi playing hand, get hurt. Yep. And so Ty is late to the shogi qualifier, and then also he moves really slowly so that before the game ends, it's nighttime. And the cliffhanger at the end of the chapter is he set up the game to be exactly the same as the one he was playing with Say before. Yeah, because he wanted to see what Say was going to do in the situation. So he set up his opponent to set the board up his way, which is incredibly talented. Like, all right, I'm going to make you make all the moves that I did against my brother so that I can see what his move is, like, force him into doing this because he can't bail now. Yeah, and very little of the focus is on the shogi. There's talking about the setup, but we don't really see much of it. No. Although part of that is just I am familiar with shogi, but I cannot read the characters on the pieces, so... Yeah, I don't know. That's all gibberish to me, basically. I know there are Same. generals and golden generals and all that, but. I have a very basic understanding of Shogi, but like you said, I can't read any of the symbols either, so I don't know what the setup is. Like, I, I'm just looking at pieces of wood on a board. So I am kind of interested in this. I hope it does well, because again, it's something different from most of the Shonen stuff we're reading every week. Yeah. But also, nothing really hooked me. No, the. Like I said, the interesting take on the split personality thing where it it's like forced upon them day and night is kind of weird. Yeah. And they have to, they specifically sleep to do it. So like Ty literally falls asleep in the middle of his match and then Say is the one who wakes up, which was kind of cool. Yeah. I am interested in reading more of it. Uh, it's just not what my favorite this week. And yeah. speaking of that, next we have Samurai 8 Chapter 2, Visitor from the Sky. What did you think of this chapter, Kevin? I thought it was pretty cool. I liked the two shut-ins finding each other and being like, hey, we, we can like go outside now. Like, You were the person who didn't want to go outside, and I was the person who couldn't go outside. So now that I can, you should. Yeah, I like this chapter a lot more than I like the first one, and I wonder if part of that is just because there's no action sequence. 
which, like I said, I felt the art in that was weak. There is like a very brief one, but it's in a video game. So, yeah, the like technical of it is unimportant. And also it's glossed over pretty quickly. Oh, and I thought it was still pretty cool how they kind of had the like shifting after images of like, again, this is something that always makes me smile when anime or manga do something of like, oh, there's only one guy in the world who can pull off that move. Like, um, no. Yeah, that's just my exact thought. They're playing a video game. It's like, what? You step canceled into a frame jab. I'm like, those are all fighting game words, but I cannot imagine a fighting game where only one person can do that. Yeah, there's a anime that I like watching called The King's Avatar that's very similar. Like, only one person could pull off that move. I was like, what kind of game developer <laughs> builds something into the game? Like, A, that game is like the best MMO ever that they're playing. It's just like, oh, it just has all the stuff and everything works perfectly. It's like I once heard a Yahtzee's description of uh, Duke Nukem Forever before it actually came out. He was like, you know, I was a little concerned with the cake baking simulator thrown into the middle of there, but it all just worked together well. Like, it's just this idealized version of a video game where it's like, oh, only one person could do that. And to be fair, wave dashing in Smash Bros. Melee, which is a major mechanic in the competitive scene, was not intended. So there is that possibility. But also, I'm just trying to imagine a commentator be like, oh, only one player can perform the wave dash. Yeah, that's more the thing. Like, only this person would be able to do that. It's like, no, I mean, it'd be one thing to be like, oh, this guy is really good. He has the ability to do a wave dash or a step cancel or something like that. But not like, oh, that's got to be that guy. He's the only one who can pull that move off. No, there's probably like 10. I mean, that's not a huge number, but it's bigger than one. Although it's important it be be only one in this case because it is the number one player and the number two player going against each other. Yeah. So to back up a little bit, Hachimaru is told basically, hey, you need to get used to your new body, so take your dog for a walk. Yes. And don't go too far. He finds out his dog can fly, so he's flying on his dog. Never-ending story. (laughs) Yes. And then he falls off, and they're, they're... I kind of lost the plot for a second there was it because of the tank in the background i think they got i think they got shot by the tank on accident like because earlier on they were like hey let's fire off a shot in celebration yeah and they were mentioning they're kind of like firing shots to distract the school so i think he just got hit by a random it might not have been the tank explosion like the shell might have hit something else that the shockwave knocked him off but that was the idea that that was what i took from it was that the tank forced him to get knocked off. It's not like he just, oh no, I fell. Yeah, uh, I was really critical of Samurai 8 last week, so I didn't talk about one of the things I do like is the setting. And Zach, who hosts my other podcast with me, was talking on our Discord today, being like, is it just kind of like Shadowrun? But it's not. It's way more like D&D with technology. Like these people with this tank are basically just 1D3 bandits, but they just happen to have a World War II tank that they are... Yeah. They look like Genghis Khan soldiers, yeah, but we, they just have a tank. Well, and they're animal-themed. Like They have like boar helmets or something like that. Like I noticed uh, just kind of animal-themed to them. I also really like when we have... Hitaro is the dog, right? I believe so. When Hitaro is flying around, we have some shots of like the city and the surrounding landscape and some of the other ships, and they look really cool. And it's I kind of like what you said, where it's like D&D with technology, where it's not sci-fi it's like what if a fantasy world just progressed to the point where it had technology but still kept that aesthetic like they almost have like a flying mountain kind of thing and 
just this really cool vistas that I really liked about this chapter is just him flying around and it was a great way to show off, hey, this is what the world looks like. Here's Hachimaru and Hitaro just flying around. Yeah, now that you say that, Naruto kind of had that too. It was a little bit more played for laughs in Naruto. Like yeah. it was a feudal setting, but he had a refrigerator and instant ramen. Yeah. But here it's like a D&D setting where like there's a city and the city looks like a modern city with skyscrapers and stuff. But once you get out of the city, the roads stop being paved and are just dirt roads yep. and lead to a and d ass forest. Yeah. Which is a really cool setting. And I do like this new character we're introduced to that, like you said, is another shut-in who is the number two player at this game, who's such a shut-in they don't even know what gender they are. And I'm a little leery of that because I don't trust the Japanese to tell transgender stories. Uh, um, they like their gender ambiguity. Yeah, um, it's just it's different, right? Than yes. A Western influence, but I do like the character. He also, they have a weird tick where their left hand and right hand have either gained sentience because they're robotic hands, or he expresses his personality through them. So, like, his his left hand calls them a she, his right hand a he, and they, like, can talk with one another, but it's just him talking. It's not actually the hand speaking, but there's a point at one point where the character kind of just shuts down on the right hand is like, well, since he shut down, I'll start talking now. And it was just, I think it was kind of a weird interest, like an interesting weird. Yeah. So the cliffhanger of this chapter is basically that this character, do we get a name for them? Feel like we, no, they don't have a name. Yes, that's right. They're nameless. Because it's like, I don't even know what gender is. I am. I can't give myself a name. So they are at like a martial arts academy. It's more like a monastery. Yeah, for uh, Bushi warriors, but well, it it's almost more like a prison monastery because I think at one point he says either you sh- you grow up to be Bushi or you die. Yeah, although like, I you just... can never le- the only way you can leave is by graduating. To be fair, I took that more as like a drill instructor. Yes, thing but of like I I got more of the military school than like a monastery is definitely like voluntary okay you, you go to live there this was and even the character nameless or i forget i think not, it's no name or something like that Blank, it's like maybe. it's no it's like nachin or something like that which it's the japanese word for nameless or can translate to nameless i was like yeah i just kind of like found myself here one day and i i can't really go like they, they don't let you leave so it's it, it's got a, just a bit of that prison aspect like you're not allowed to leave until you graduate and become a bushi so anyway, the tank bandits are going to attack this monastery because they're like, yeah, all the mi- big warriors are off elsewhere. It's only going to be the dregs. Yeah, and there's some orb that's supposed to be worth a lot. So we'll go steal that and sell it for a bunch of money. So yeah, I like this chapter a lot more than the first one. Yeah. Personally. Which brings us to My Hero Academia number 228, Wounded Soul, which is one of those short transition chapters you get in manga sometimes. That you don't really notice in a collective volume, but when you're reading a whole bunch of full-length chapters and it's over suddenly, you really do notice. And it's like, oh, you didn't have time to finish this one, huh? And I definitely got confused at the end of this one. I think I figured it out, but I had to look at it a bit. So most of this chapter, we see Dobby starting to fight who I am dubbing Ice Nito, because he does not like create ice or freeze people. He just controls ice that already exists. Yes. And we see him like summoning it from vending machines and that was pretty great. Such. 
Because it was literally like, it, he like looks over towards a convenience store and just summons a bunch of the ice from it. I was like, all right, that's pretty cool. Uh, but most of it is following Twice, who finds Toga kind of beat up. And as, uh, I don't want to say a touching moment, because their relationship is super weird and kind of creepy. Yes. Uh, not in a problematic way, but in the way that, like, it makes me feel icky and I think it's supposed to. Yeah, he's definitely, he has a ton of issues. So, like, he's having his two different conflicting personalities start to, like, war with one another. Like, he's answering his own questions, but very depressingly. You know, like, oh, is she okay? No. And stuff like that. And the, what I really like is the speech bubbles for that second voice of his are, like, black. Yeah. They're That's not solid fit. black, but they're dark. They're black-white text. Yes. Um. So anyway, then a bunch of people show up to kill Toga because she killed Miss Curious. But then we zoom out and we see they are all twice. Yes, with like a stitch down his forehead. Yeah, and we also see one of the other Liberation Army members and we just get an explanation of their quirk. Which is he can turn, he can anthropomorphize like up to people-sized objects to do his bidding. So my interpretation is he found all the corpses of all the clones twice made and they are his puppets. Okay, that makes a lot more sense, because I was like, why is there a bunch of twices? I had to look at it a couple times, too, and I'm not 100% certain in my theory, but I'm pretty sure that's what's going on. Yes, but they are they are drafting twice for the Metal Liberation Army, because they're like, Toga wasn't a good fit, she would have been a good piece if she died, but you're actually a good fit, and we need you to join our ranks. Yeah, so a weird chapter. Yeah, maybe my least favorite since we started reading My Hero for this, but still, I, still... I do like the twist at the end. It's just really muddy, and like we said before, it's a real transition chapter. So. Yeah, I still, I still enjoyed it. It was just, it definitely went down because I was like, I'm not. I mean, I'm probably we're gonna get a bit of an explanation, but it's like, why are there suddenly a bunch of twices? So that brings us to Chainsaw Man chapter twenty-two, cola flavored chupa chup, uh, chupa chups, chupa chups. I, I don't know how to pronounce dum dums. Lollipops. Uh, hey, Chainsaw Man isn't canceled. Take nope. that for what you will. I liked this chapter a lot more than last week's, which I would basically have to. Yes, same here. It's still the ending definitely made me go, huh, alrighty then. Yeah, We're going somewhere. That could definitely be a swerve, right? It could, but it, it was at least, okay, that's a better cliffhanger than, hey, you want to have sex? So Denji basically manages to turn her down. Yes. Like thinking of Makima, who apparently after the barf incident, like licked a cola flavored lollipop and gave it back to him. He's like, hey, well, at least your first indirect kiss tastes like Coke. So that's yes. good. Yeah, because he's like, are all of my kisses going to taste like vomit now? She's like, man, you're probably never going to forget the taste of vomit now. I was like, yeah, that's kind of dark. Anyway, Denji turns her down. And then the next morning she wakes up and is like, hey, did I uh, proposition you for sex? He's like, yep. He's like, so did we? He's like, no. He's like, oh, thank God. You're a minor. Yep. I would have been arrested. <laughs> yeah. And then the part I actually really like is they, like, talk over breakfast. Yes. And then she's like, no, I want my first time to be with Makima. And she's like, you like her? And he's like, yeah. He's like, okay, let's make a deal. I will set you up with her, but you have to set me up with Aki because Aki likes her. So yep. we need to farm an alliance and make this happen. Yeah, I also love that she's kind of like, why are you still here? He's like, well, you're giving me free food. I yeah. was like, yeah, I, that's a Denji thing. Yeah. And then we cut to a train where Makima is like, I'm going to eat before my fancy business meeting because I wanted to go as quick as possible. 
even though it's a lunch meeting and she's yeah. like i don't i don't like eating with the big wigs it always sours my stomach and then she gets shot in the head by some terrorists maybe gun devil question mark i felt like it was more like they were operatives because isn't at some point it's like strike force team is go or something yeah like, something like, like right at the end they say something like they were i mean it might have been a terrorist cell but it was definitely it wasn't it felt very coordinated because it were the people right in front and right behind Makama and the Duchi were talking to, and they just pulled out guns and shot the both of them yeah. in the head. Which is a strong cliffhanger, to say the least. Yes. Although, imagine if it was like the end after that. God. <laughs> Shin and Jump can be rough sometimes. Yep. Speaking of, that leads us to Food Wars Chapter 311, The Taste of Failure. So what did you think of this chapter, Kevin? I really liked this yeah, chapter. Yeah, me too. <laughs> this was definitely so we get more explanation into soma's fried rice dish and he essentially coated all of each individual rice kernel in like a egg and mayonnaise coating that which is kept, a french dish yes that kept all of the flavor inside that so because they made mention of the fact like, oh yeah, Saiba's dish was way more aromatic. And Saiba was like, yeah, I noticed that too. His dish almost didn't have any aroma to it at all. Like, with all the stuff he put in there, it should have had some smell. And so because he managed to, like, coalesce all of the coating into the fried rice, you taste it better when you actually, like, it hits you in the mouth when you eat it. Yeah. And all of the flavor gets locked in and they're going, you know, oh my god, that's impossible. But... Uh the thing that I really liked about it was, so we finally get to meet Yukihira's mom. Yeah, we get a bunch of Soma's mom in this chapter, yep. which is really strong. Also, speaking of mom parallels, Erin's mom was like, fine, I'll try the rice, but also bring me a bucket so I do not throw up on the th floor. Yep. But then, of course, when she starts having it, she does not throw up. No. And I think that's when we get the flashback to... Yeah, his mom. Well, you, no. uh, Soma's like, yeah, this dish was inspired by my mother. It was one of her biggest failures. Yep. And we flash back to the Yukihira Diner. Dina? The Yukihira Diner. <laughs> Joey Wheeler's in the house. Give me some of that fried rice. That was, I lost that accent completely about one third of the way through. Yes. It's fine. The Yukihira Diner, where we see his mom and also his grandpa on his mom's side, who apparently owned the diner beforehand. beforehand. Yeah. And they're like, Ah oh, man, the chef special is sure a gamble because sometimes she makes really good food, and most of the time it's awful. Yep. But at least she married someone who's good at cooking, so the restaurant's not gonna go belly up. Yeah. And the chef special is apparently like cheap, essentially. Yeah. So, and her the Soma's grandfather is like, when will the when will the regulars ever learn? Well, I like that they like bet like, okay, I bet you three beers, it's gonna be a good one. Yep. Yeah. No, I thought that was great. But she makes this fried rice, but she doesn't cook it properly. They talked about how basically to coat it like that, you would have to turn it over perfectly and cook everything perfectly evenly. Well, she like she managed to burn it somehow. Well, and they're like, it's got coated in black like you burned everything. But then once you get through that, it actually tastes okay. Yeah. And so then Soma goes on to around about how, like, yes, I bet you might be more talented than me, but you've never failed, so... You want to understand this drive? Yeah. So this is this dish is inspired by failure. Yeah. 
And we even see in the flashback, Yuichiro being like, that is an interesting way to cook fried rice. It's like something he never thought of. Yeah. Even being the master chef that he was at the time. Yeah. And then the cliffhanger is that everyone's getting naked again. Well, they're like, the, the g- they're, they're like, the gifting is happening, only this isn't the normal gifting. Da, da, but we don't da. get to see anything. We literally just hear like, I think it's flap is the the sound effect. So it's like just a bunch of sound effects. And that's the end, but... She liked it so much, now everybody's in parkas. That would be funny. That's the best joke I can think of, is that they just, like, aren't super unflattering giant clothing. Which brings us to Demon Slayer Chapter 158, Chaos, which isn't bad. No, I like this one. It's basically just some more fight with a pretty typical Shodan rescue at the end. Again, nothing bad. I just don't know that I personally have a lot to say about it. Yeah. Especially because you don't know Inosuke at all. Oh, well, I know him from the opening of the anime. So you don't know Inosuke at all. And I know that flashback that Tanjiro had to them hanging out. Again. The two times you... So you've seen a little bit of his character in the opening, and the flashback where he is not being typical at all to his character. But I thought it was... I still thought it was pretty cool. So we have the girl is extremely perceptive, and that's how she's been fighting. She, like looks for the perfect way through her opponent's attacks. Yeah. And then we have, uh, Ed, she's like, all right, uh, her sword gets taken from her, and she's like, all right, I can do this. I can do this. I just have to mitigate the damage as much as possible. And then we have, I know, I, sorry. Well, before you, I also really like the demon's like, oh, she's really observant. I just have to stab out her eyes, and then I can beat her. Yep. But anyway, and then. And then Inosuke drops in from the ceiling and is like, ah, the crow, and he blocks the demon's attack. He's like, ah, that crow's knowledge was on point. Now I am here to save the day. Only, I don't, it's not really save the day. It's like, now I'm here to beat this guy up because he doesn't, like, he basically doesn't care about the girl at all. Like, he's there to fight. He's like, sweet, uh, sweet, an opponent to fight. Oh, oh, you're here too? Nice. He does gotta have the shonen rescue of the demon's throwing a big attack at her and she doesn't have her sword to defend herself and he parries all the attacks. Yeah, but even then, she had the kind of like, it probably wasn't going to be the end of her. She was like, all right, just mitigate the damage as much as possible. Like, she could have figured a way sort of through it. And he did show up and save the day. But it was much less of the, I am here to save you, as I am here to fight this guy. Fair. And you know the character better than me. So that might be part of why you yeah, read that- it that way. That's definitely the way I read it, because that is the kind of dude he is. Like, it's not like he doesn't care about other people and he won't show up to save the day, but he's, it's more like if Goku were to pop in, it's like, I'm here to fight this guy. Oh, oh, you guys are here too? Cool. Well, I I guess I'm helping you out, but really, I'm just here to punch him in the schnoz. I, usually he gives everybody a sense of being first. Even Vegeta, he's like, hey, best enemy, you have this cool bean, so you can stomp on their necks after I beat them. I thought it was Krillin that started gifting out sense well, of beans later Cell on. Saga, yeah. Okay. But that's because they just give them to him. Yes. Because Goku has a heart attack. Yes, that's right. Usually Goku shows up as reinforcements, so he usually has some with him. I gotcha. Like in the Saiyan Saga, when he shows up, he stopped by Korin's Tower first. Yeah. In the Namek Saga, he brings them. Yeah, that makes sense. In the Boo Saga, I don't think there are any sensu beans. Everybody's just dying all the time. Coming back. Yep. Which brings us to Last Sayuki, Chapter 11, Orphans, which is another really good chapter of Last Sayuki. Yep. We get a bunch more about Estelle in this chapter and how basically her mom was in this group and she got super sick. Estelle did. So her mom turned the illness into a monster. 
which is forbidden because usually those monsters kill people. And Estelle was able to kill it and beat it, but her mom was killed first. With the help of her mother, it felt like. Cause we, we, we do see some flashbacks to it, yeah. Yeah, and we see the shot of, they were like, the older guy, I forget his name now. I didn't write it down, and they should um, Comes in and he was like, so we found her with Estelle and like her mother gripping the staff in death and Estelle holding it as well. Like maybe they like teamed up to beat it or something like that. Or like she sacrificed herself to kill the monster kind of thing. Yeah. And Ryanoski's like, oh, you're telling me this because you want me to be Estelle's friend. So actually you're way kinder than you think. Because also he's talking about how all the elders there are trying to reach the true human form, which means they've suppressed their human emotions. Yes. But Rionescu's like, oh, clearly you haven't at all. But he's like, no, this is just logical. I need her to have a friend or she will be too depressed to go on. Well, actually, specifically, he's like, we're trying to get rid of our emotions. And Rionescu is like, you haven't gotten rid of them. You've just suppressed them. Yeah, that's true. We also see a bunch of Estelle doing like those Goku handstand pushups, but with a like dumbbell on her feet. With like... 600 pounds on it or something like that and she's like oh yeah now that you have your moo open you can use your body way better because you just couldn't do this because you didn't believe in yourself hard enough yep and then the elder guy comes back and he's like hey the four of us koharu rinosuke and estelle are now a team and we've been sent on a mission he's like if the two of you refuse then uh, you will be separated and rinosuke is like oh nah we can do it yeah, he definitely, I really like the, so they start doing that mind link thing again, and he is like, Kahara and I have decided we shall never be separated again, and just gets super serious about it, and we have the older guy being like, huh, he's opened it a lot more than I thought, which I, I don't know exactly what he means, but. I assume it's just talking about his move. I don't I'm know assuming sure it's though, some, I'm assuming it's something specific, K. yeah, the link with K, like, because there was that like mind electricity thing going on. So I'm assuming it was more about that and less about, oh, he's opened his moo more because you can't open it more. It'd be getting closer to the true human form is what they're going for at this point. That's true. So I'm guessing it's like some connection between the two of them. And then he immediately goes into like regular Ryanos game. It like, oh, by the way, I know I just like was super serious and a badass and all that, but I've only actually killed two monsters as still. So if you seem like doing it wrong, can you correct me? Yeah. I <laughs> Which is really... exactly how I am whenever I start a new job. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Listen, I sounded super confident, but I've only done this twice. So if I'm doing something wrong, just just let me know and just just point it out to me so that I can fix it. And it ends with them going to take on their mission, which they can they reveal that they can travel basically to any Tori in Japan by like this one gate in their base. And you just make the Niobu take the appearance of the key to the appropriate gate. Well, they essentially, it's not just that it's from the one base, it's all the Tories are connected and have their own, he's like, they have their own spatial coordinates, essentially, and so you just make your Niobu into the key for those coordinates and stick it into the Tory and you can connect any two Tory. Yeah, which is, again, a super cool idea. Yes. So yeah, really liking Last Sayuki still, which leads us to the final chapter we're going to talk about today. We Never Learn, question 111. A predecessor's ex-visit can sometimes turn peculiar. This is a weird chapter if we never learn, huh? Yes. <laughs> like, from toe to tip, this is a weird chapter if we never learn. Yes. It's like, is it October? No, it's it's still Golden Week? Okay. I, they wanted to go with a haunting story. So. Has anything, like, sort of weird like this happened and we never learned before? Yes. Okay. 
it's just it's not entirely out of the it's blue. not entirely like nothing like i i don't know that there's been a haunting story specifically but definitely some of their side stories have had this like just supernatural weird, stuff has happened yeah some weird haunting element or some kind of like bit of folklore is like actually true kind of thing so anyway yugia bumps into his sensei and he's like hey where are you going he's like oh i'm Going apartment hunting because remember my story arc and how there's like news media all over my apartment all the time now? I need to move. Yeah, and Yugi is like, yeah, you do have a habit of not locking any of your doors or windows. Which is a weird, I'm sure that's a reference to a bunch of stories, but it is weirdly specific. I think it's specific, not just the windows, but like specifically the door, because I think people have barged in when he was in there cleaning up. Gotcha. That makes sense. I think I've even seen that. Probably. And she's like, yeah, I found this super good apartment. It's like three bedroom, cheaper than the one I have now, right next to the train station. Yep. And Yu-Gi-Oh looks at it and he's like, this is mega sketchy. Well, because it's like, you will take all responsibility. Yes, all responsibility. Yeah. And so he's like, hey, can I like come with you know as a learning experience for when I need an apartment? And she's like, oh, yeah, sure. And so it's a haunted apartment. <laughs> yes. So Yu-Gi-Oh... He gets his, like, coat pulled right as he's about to step off of the... They always have, like, the recessed doormat area, essentially. Yeah, the threshold. Yeah. And so he gets his coat pulled and almost trips. There's, like, a, a bunch of sounds of... Uh, it sounds like children playing upstairs. And, like, his sense is like, oh, there must be children upstairs. Wait, isn't this the top floor of the apartment? Huh. Weird. Yeah, I do like how, like, the sensei just no-sells everything, and Yukiya is freaking out. Like, the closet door just opens, like, oh, a self-opening closet door. That's a weird feature. Yeah, and then <laughs> she goes into the bathroom, and there's, like, I don't know if it's bloody handprints, or ju there's just handprints and something that says, like, come this way. And she's like, they didn't clean the bathroom at all. <laughs> yeah, and there's a, she's like, ah, oh, there's a painting hanging on the wall. I better check under it to see if, like, the wall's screwed up behind that. And, like, when she takes it off, it just says, evil spirits be gone. <laughs> yep. And she's like, oh, that's interesting art. They use even the side you can't see. <laughs> yeah. And Yugi is like, uh, so he's freaking out, and she's like, Eventually, he's like, this place is haunted. She's like, it's not haunted Ugh, kids these days. Yeah, she's like, oh, I thought you were so mature and manly. And she has some shenanigan fantasies for a minute. Yeah, and when she, she, like, she like gets into the bathroom. She's like, oh, it's three times as big the size of mine. I could have two adults bathe in here. And then she starts thinking of Yu-Gi-Oh! She's like, no, bad sensei. <laughs> why did that pop thought? Why did that pop thought in my head? Yeah. Sure, we'll go with that. And so Yu-Gi-Oh! is looking around and he opens a cupboard and there are just two ghost kids in it. Well, no, it's a girl with, like, a doll. Yeah, but it looks very real that first yes. time. Um, So he runs off, but then the girl comes, and she's like, oh, and, and as soon as the sensei sees you, like, no, we weren't doing anything improper. He's just my student. Yes. <laughs> He's like, there is a ghost here. Why do you care about that? That is not important. Oh, yeah, I do love the first time Yu-Gi-Oh is like, hey, this place is haunted. He's, like, grabbing onto his sensei, and she's like, remember what your mother said after you graduate, is, yeah. like, what she's starting to say. And he's like, this place is haunted. Yeah. But anyway, the kid comes in, he's like, oh, no, I just live next door, and, like, I like to play in here because there's nobody in here. And I've been playing pranks on people, like, pulling their coats and hiding in the cupboard and messing around on the roof. Yeah. And uh, she's like, see, Yu-Gi-Oh, you're being crazy. This apartment's fine. I'm yep. going to take it. And then we cut to like her with her real estate agent. Like, and he's like, uh, she's like, yeah, there's even this nice kid nearby. He's like, there's no one who lives in the next apartment over. Like, they had a kid 15 years ago. 
yeah, she passed away or something like that. Evans <laughs> is like, oh, never mind. And then we just cut to the ghost being like, well, they were a cute couple. I hope they come back. <laughs> yeah. I haven't had anyone to play with in a very long time because I am a ghost. Ooh. Yeah. So that's weird. Yeah. And that about does it for this week's show to jump. Like we said, no one piece, no, we never learn, which makes it feel real thin. Yeah. But that brings us to jump card. So Jump Card is the segment where we rank the chapters from our least favorite up to our favorite. Only 14 this week, because there was no Hell's Paradise either. Yep. What do you have at number 14, Kevin? At number 14, I have Haikyuu. Hey, me too. Boy, is Haikyuu not for us, it seems. Except for very specific chapters that are exactly for you and me. I guess. There was, at one point, there was one guy who, like, kept getting stuffed, and he was, I'm guessing, the team's ace or, like a very good player, and he's like, man, I'm just having a horrible game today. And then one of his uh, teammates goes like, don't look to me for encouragement, and then there was nothing else about it. I thought there was going to be a turn at the end like, man, I'm having a horrible game, but the team is doing good, and that, like some realization about himself. It's like, no, it just that he made that statement, I'm having a shitty game today. And that was that. It was like, uh, oh. So not only was it boring, you took something that I thought could have been a cool character turn and just did nothing with it. I mean, maybe it'll happen next chapter, but who knows? So what do you have at number 13? Yui Kimio. Yeah, that's what I figured you'd have it. This is a weird chapter of Yui Kimio. Like, they're all weird, right? They're all very but, weird. But, like, the first half of this one, like, it's anime weird. It's the sort of thing that would happen and we never learn. Yes. And then it just goes off the deep end. And I just felt really confused. I have it a little higher than you. Yeah. A very small bit higher than you. Again, it's just the the comedy doesn't generally get to me very much. So I was just like, this is just weird. And it's not the weird of... So I used to love watching bo 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 Yeah. Because that was a show that was weird that I couldn't tell you that I was enjoying it, watching it every week. But at the end of the week, I'm like, I really want to see next week's episode. Like, it was just... It was weird and out there, but I liked it. This was, like, just weird and out there. And I was just like... I mean, the only reason I'm reading it is because I have to at this point. Yeah, I, I, like I said, it's like a beautiful train wreck to me. I would be reading it anyway, I think. But, like, just really the turn this takes in the middle, it doesn't even go, like, a completely different direction. It just, like, loses all grounding in reality all of a sudden. Yes. I have Jujutsu Kaisen at number 13, though, because I completely lost the plot in this fight. Like, It was my number 12, so yeah, we can just like, talk about it. Yeah, because, I mean, Yui Kamiya is my number 12. Okay. So. But yeah, just Jujutsu Kaisen, I felt lost the entire time, which is Yui Kamiya. I was there the first half, and then it lost me. I mean, I understood what was going on. So Jujutsu Kaisen, we have the black-haired main character, other main character, not the main character, but the guy who had been fighting the spirit under the bridge, who we get a flashback to him as a teenager, and how he's like this secret weapon sent into this Jujutsu sorcerer family by his father like he married into the family and then divorced to get them to get his son into the family and then his sister got 
hit by a curse that has made her fall asleep. So she's like in a coma. And so that's one of the reasons why he's fighting is to try and figure out what curse did it, stop it so that his sister can be awake. And he's like, oh, I took out the bridge curse, but that wasn't it. And then we cut to the girl of the group fighting with this one weird, mostly naked guy who is, she mentions he's like, you have a very weird way of running. He's like, I don't like people looking at my back. And then the main character shows up behind him with because he was fighting the first demon that they got ambushed with. And they're like pals. And he's like, you saw my back. Now you all must die. His back is weird, to be fair. It's got a face and a groove butterfly wings. Yep. And his like out of the eyes of the face. Yes. And like uh, partly out of the eyes and like partly out of the mouth. They were like they're like butterfly wings, like made of like blood or ink or something. And his move is Death by Wasp. It's just a decent name. It's, it's just weird. Yeah. So like I said, Yui Kimi is my number 12. What do you got at 11? At 11, I have Black Clover. That was a pretty interesting chapter of Black Clover. We have some more flashback to the fight between Licht and the first Wizard King. And then that first Wizard King shows up to fight the devil now. Uh, that's basically it. Yeah, I don't know. I really liked this chapter of Black Clover. I shouldn't say really liked, but I liked it more than normal. I feel like I just like this backstory, like this specific one. Yeah, and that we're cool. getting it all at all. So it's not like I didn't like this chapter of Black Clover. It's just kind of down on my list because it was like, all right, so he's here to fight now. Okay. At number eleven, I have Doctor Stone. It's pretty decent, Doctor Stone, like always. But for some reason, the Doctor Stone tropes of it. Like, just bugged me more than normal. Like, he just creates tear gas in the middle of it. And I'm like, well, that's a lot. And I don't know why it bugged me more than normal this week. It's what happens every week. Yeah, I think it was more that he had created it beforehand. It's not like, I shall suddenly whip up tear gas. I think you're right, but, like, it's presented the same way it always is. And it's like, this is how you make tear gas, kids. Yeah, without actually telling them how to make tear gas. Yeah. Yeah, so my number 10 was Chainsaw Man because I did like this a bit more than last week and the turn seems kind of interesting, but there was still a lot of the weirdness of last week's chapter in it. Yeah, I have Chainsaw Man much, much higher than you, mostly because I think I really like the bits between Denji and Himano. I really like they're like, let's make a secret pact to get uh, into the couples we want. Yes. Like that sits really well with me, even though I can definitely see where you're coming from, where it's still got a lot of last week's stink on it. Yeah, and again, it wasn't like I put Chainsaw Man down at the bottom. I just put stuff above it, essentially, is how I I place Chainsaw Man there. My number 10 is Double Taisei, because I do find the premise pretty interesting, but the chapter itself didn't really do a whole lot for me. It's probably not one I would pick up if we weren't doing this podcast personally. Yeah. So my number nine was Dr. Stone. It was regular kind of Dr. Stone. We have the girl is using her beauty to charm people and tries to use it on Senko. And he's like, no, just tell me where the capsule is. Like, I'm completely immune to your charms because I am all about the science. Yes. My girlfriend is science and you don't look anything like her. Oh, yeah. I have been blinded by science. My number nine is My Hero Academia. Basically, for the reasons we talked about, it, it felt like a real transition chapter, and the 
and reveal was real confusing. Even yeah. though I do think I figured out what was going on, it yep. was still kind of a clunky reveal where it's like, this is this guy's power, and then this is what's happening. Yep. So my number eight was Double Taisei. It had a kind of interesting premise, and we'll see where it goes. Like you said, and this is one of the reasons that got me into Shonen Jump, was this probably wouldn't have been one that I would pick up for reading weekly if I were just reading chapters, but because it's like, oh, well, I mean, it's coming out, I'll continue reading it like I'm at least interested as opposed to you with Camille, where I'm not interested. Like, that would be one where if I didn't have to read it, I would put it down. But even if I weren't doing the podcast, I'd still be reading the Shonen Jump chapters. So Double Taisei was like, oh, that seemed kind of cool. I'll see where it goes. I'll give it a shot, at the very least. My number eight is We Never Learn. It's not bad We Never Learn. I was just really perplexed by the just, oh, it's a real ghost after all. That, like, whole reveal is done really quickly, too. Yeah. So, yeah, I just felt... Left a weird taste in my mouth. Yep. So my number seven is my hero for a, a lot of the same reasons. Just very confused why. And your explanation makes a lot of sense that it's all of Twice's corpses that he just left lying around, which is some really big back planning on the part of the meta yes. liberation army. That's why I'm not sure that's what it is. Yeah. Maybe he has, maybe someone else has the ability to shape them like other things. Who knows? But like, then, like, that also explains the stitching to me. Yes. So. And also, it's like, this is this guy's power. He's not going to use it now. Doesn't make any sense. Yes. Like, narratively. So, my number seven is Demon Slayer. Like I basically said, it's some pretty typical shonen stuff. Not disappointed in it, but not super excited by it either. Yep. My number six is Samurai 8. I liked this chapter of Samurai 8. I thought it was pretty neat. I like this new character, even though the gender ambiguity thing might come off as a little weird over here. I mean, I don't think it was bad in this chapter. It just, like, raises my hackles of, oh, this is something they could mess up. That That's what I mean. Like, it, it might start coming off as really weird, or it might just be something that they just kind of roll with as, like, a, a running gag kind of thing. Yeah, and like I say, I want to be fair to it. It hasn't messed up yet. I no. really found it compelling in this chapter. Yeah, so, seems really cool. My number six is Black Clover. I pretty much already talked about why I really like the backstory stuff we have going on right now. Yeah. And I like that it's finally meeting up with, you know, and Asta and going to move this plot forward. Yeah. So my number five was we never learn. Like I said, I'm pretty sure this isn't the first time that something weird has happened in we never learn side stories. So I thought it was pretty cute where it was like, it's haunted by a ghost. Haha. Ha, it's not actually a ghost. Oh, wait, it is. Yeah, my number five is Samurai 8 for the stuff we just talked about. I really liked the interaction between the two characters in this. And also, Tank Bandits is pretty fun. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to Samurai 8 just because the setting seems so interesting. Like, I'm really involved in it. So my number four was Demon Slayer because we get Anosuke back, like, for reals. And it's been a while, so it's kind of cool to see him back and going crazy with his shirtless boarhead costume. My number four was Act Age, because I rather liked the chapter of Act Age this week. I was right, haha. And they are both the male and female lead are rotating, and then the rest of the cast is static. Actually, it sounds like the entire cast might be changing. I read it as we're going to find a cast that can fit both of your, maybe like both pairs. And I really like. There's a joke in the middle where. The actor opposite Kay like brings her a bouquet of flowers, and then she finds out, oh, you're still just in high school? Just one flower for you, then. 
Yep. It's like, but we should go out. Like, let's go have a steak and then we can talk. And then the other pair, which is the character that was the star of the Galactic Railroad stuff that we were reading when we started. Yes. It's the male lead opposite her rival. He's like, yeah, um, actually going out to eat's a good way to get to know each other. We should do it too. And she's like, if that's what it takes to win. He's like, you want to go get like beef balls? If that's what it takes to win. I, I really <laughs> like that. I also liked when he was like, we should go out and get steak. And Kay has this look on her face like, steak? Because she used to be poor, so yeah. And also, he's like, "Yeah, you, you look like a twig. You need you need some cow on those bones." Well, because when he comes in, he picks her up in his arms, and he's like, "Wow, you're light." Yeah, yeah. It was my number three. It was. I really liked this chapter. I was surprised that the guy, like, the reason I thought that it was just going to be the two main actresses that were going to be changing was there was no way this guy was going to. Like, it still doesn't seem like he's in it for the competition, like, he cares about the competition at all, and maybe he does, but it was more like he's interested in seeing Kay, so we also see this turn of first Kay notices it's the evil producer guy that's going to be running it, she's like, wait, you're running it? Well, screw you, I hate you, but then at the end she kind of has this turn of like, alright, well, you might be evil, but we can still have fun and put on a good show. Yeah. And I like that. My number three is Chainsaw Man. Again, we already mostly talked about it, but I just really like the alliance forging and how casual it is. Yeah. That's the bits of Chainsaw Man I like. So, yep. The um, character stuff worked really well, I thought. Yep. So, I really struggled with my number one and my number two this week. I didn't as much, but. So, my number two is Last Sayuki. So is mine. Okay. It's, it's finally knocked off that throne. Yes. Because the ideas in Last Sayuki are, continue to be super, super strong. Well, and I still really liked this chapter. And I just, I liked Food Wars more. Yeah, that was That was really why it went up. And so that's why I kind of struggled with it. I was like, I've been really liking Last Sayuki. It's been riding this wave of, man, this has been the number one. This has been my favorite chapter to read. And then it was like, I still really enjoyed reading this. Just Food Wars just overtook it. So that's what I meant by I kind of struggled with where to put them. Yeah, I agree with you, but the last Sayuki doesn't have anything real strong emotionally speaking. No. It's mostly setup stuff, and like it still manages to have some really cool ideas. Like yeah. the Tory Gate thing, that's really cool. And I really like that Estelle is becoming like a major character already. It's kind of the thing we complained about with Hellward and Higima, about how the girl had to be shoved off into the corner. Yeah. It's not letting itself fall into that. Yeah, and even Koharu is kind of not being shoved off into the corner. Like, I actually really liked the moment of when Estelle first meets them and the Ryunosuke and Koharu are holding hands and he's practicing fake walking with her because she's he's like, she still only has the ability to float. And if she floats around people, it'll open their moo. But if we can hold hands and kind of like shuffle in such a way that it looks like she's walking, even with her prosthetic legs, people won't be as freaked out about it. So she can like go out and do things without opening people's moo and i i really liked that aspect of it but like you said it was more transitiony and didn't have the emotional bits which is really why food wars won out yeah and like getting to see soma's mom who the, i don't want to see the whole series has been building up to but she's clearly been this important figure like in the backstory yes it feels like a real important bit and i was like surprised when it happened yeah it didn't feel like it came out of nowhere but no. it was definitely like bam soma's mom yeah and it was also a really strong chapter yeah and it continues to build up the tension. I mean, I think it's pretty clear after this, Soma's going to win, but we don't know for sure yet. Yep. Yeah, and that does it for this week of Shonen Jump. I, kind of a weaker week with no 
Promised Neverland or One Piece, but the strong chapters I felt were actually really strong. Like yeah. Samurai ate enough on my list. I really enjoyed. Yeah, I, I enjoyed a lot of the chapters in this as well. So even though it was a bit shorter, it didn't feel like, oh man, I don't have One Piece or Promised Neverland. This, you know, I only had like two chapters I liked out of this. It was, I still like stuff. So still some good chapters. Yeah. And speaking of stuff I like at the very least, after the break, we will be talking about one of my favorite manga series, Yu Yu Hakusho. So join us after that. I'm a delinquent. So we read Yu Yu Hakusho Volume 1 this week, which if you are fam- only familiar with the anime is probably a lot different than you're expecting. Yep. Because Yu Yu Hakusho came out in 1990, and I'm surprised it took this long, but Dragon Ball was at its height, and it was only a little ways into Yu Yu Hakusho that it got retooled to be more like Dragon Ball. Yes. Basically by the editors. It starts out as like a, not quite monster of the week, but like problem of the week, I'm a ghost gonna solve your problem series. Yes. Which I knew, and I'd actually read this before, but it still feels odd, especially because there's lots of supernatural stuff involved in it, but it feels weirdly more grounded than what the series is going to become, because the supernatural stuff is all super different than the supernatural stuff that happens later, even though there is a clear through line to it. Yeah, there was definitely, even the anime deals with this just a little bit, but it's like one or two episodes right at the start where he's just kind of like running around as a ghost. And it just made me, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot it started like this. Like, the series takes a huge left turn. What really surprised me is how much of it is, like, gang violence focused and, like, that Japanese romanticized gang violence stuff. And I knew that was all in here, but yeah, I definitely way knew- more of a focus than I remembered. Yeah. Like, and also, the cartooning in the art is actually really, really strong, but it means Yusuke looks off-model isn't the way I want to put it, but he doesn't look the way he ends up kind of solidifying in the end and a lot of that is because there's almost like a lot of looney tunes caricaturing going on with him yeah well and especially as he's a ghost it seems like they wanted to make him i don't know if it was on purpose make him not look like the everyone else because like everyone else tends to still look on model versus he looks slightly disproportioned in everything and i'm just wondering if that was a choice of being like this is to make it look like he's a spirit Rather than like me drawing like a weird aura and a tail on him or something like that, I'll make him not look quite human. I can definitely see where you're coming from, especially because in the last chapter here where he gets his body back temporarily, he does look like Yusuke to me, the yeah. way I think of him. But also, before he dies in the first chapter, it's the same way. Like, there's one shot of him where his hairstyle is just made to, so that he looks more like Kuabara than Yusuke to me. Yeah. Because they're really emphasizing that pompadour, and he really kind of morphs around. Even, like I said, before he dies. Yeah. Again, I'm I'm also not totally shocked that... Because this wasn't this guy's first manga, but it's definitely one of his earlier ones. Like, his second, or maybe his, his third? His second long run. Okay. Long running one, yeah. And so he's just... It kind of felt to me like it might have been a little bit of, like, nailing down the character model. Like, alright, this is what I want him to look like. 
Yeah, I, it's just the thing of I can definitely see that because Yusuke's the main character, but none of the other characters really morph that much. Kuabara definitely feels like he started with a slightly different design and then settles in, but like Botan and Keiko and all of Kuabara's friends and Yusuke's mom, they all are pretty much there from the start of it. Yeah. And I, I'm that's what I mean by it just being the main character. Like maybe the editors kind of stepped in and be like, hey, we want you to change him a little bit. Maybe it was, hey, he looks too much like this Kuwabara that you're introducing. You need to change him a little bit. Otherwise, it'll be confusing. Yeah. So if you're not familiar with Yu Yu Hakusho, our main character is Yusuke Yurameshi. He's in middle school. He's a delinquent. He is the main character. Unfortunately, he's dead. Yep. Because in the first chapter, he dies trying to save a kid from being hit by a truck. After we see he is basically a hopeless delinquent. He smokes, he gambles, he drinks, despite being 14 years old. He skips school. The one person who really cares about him is his childhood friend Keiko, who is the class rep. But he basically sexually abuses her to try and get her to stop paying attention to him. It does. I don't want to say it comes off as innocent because I don't really think there's any excuse for Yusuke's behavior towards her. It's the one bit of the manga that really doesn't age well. Yeah. But we do find out that he's been doing it since like they were little. And so it does come off as more like teasing her because he likes her and more innocent. Although, again, I don't want to excuse it because, yeah. I like I said, it is the one bit that really doesn't age well. Yeah, it's... It's understandable, not excusable. Yeah. So anyway, he dies saving a little kid, and he finds out from the Grim Reaper, who is a super cute girl named Botan, that this was not predicted by the spirit world, and it's like in Dragon Ball, a parody of bureaucracy. It's just all paperwork and people moving around. Yep. And they were like, there's... I mean, you're a delinquent. Nobody would ever expect you to jump in front of a car to save the kid. And also, the kid was actually going to survive. It was going to be like a miracle. The ball he was chasing into the street was just going to act as a cushion, and he was going to have some minor injuries. No, but... he was he was literally going to have not uh, without a scratch. It was like the kid would have come out of the incident without a scratch. You actually managed to hurt him a little bit. Because <laughs> when you pushed him out of the way, he kind of like skinned his knee or something like that. Like nothing major, but... Because everyone assumes that Yusuke saved the kid, but it was like, the spirit world is like, yeah, he actually would have been totally fine. Like, it would have been a minor miracle, so you saved a kid for nothing. Sorry, we weren't even going to tell you, but you keep bringing it up. So they're like, but because, like, of that, there's kind of no place for you? Like, this is a good deed, so you should go to heaven, but also the rest of your life, you were kind of awful. Well, and it also didn't just seem like that, like... It was not just because it was a good deed. Like, we didn't expect you to die there. Yeah. So we haven't prepared your final resting place. Like, there, there's just no room for you right now. Yeah. So situations like this happen about every hundred years. And we have you take a test to see if you can come back to life or not. And we find out that, like, basically, they don't tell him this. But either way, he's going to come back to life. The test is to, like, carry around the spirit egg, which, because he's a ghost, will feed off him very quickly and hatch. And yep. if he's a bad person, it will hatch into a monster and eat him immediately. Yep. But if he's good, it'll just be chill and hang out with him. Yep. It's weird how long this takes to pay off, just knowing how Yu Yu Hakusho goes. Yes. Because it's kind of forgotten about and then come back to in a way that's cool and works. But yeah, it's weird to think of that, like at the start of the series, this is the premise and it's just going to get lost in the shuffle for a while. Yeah. So... He, at first, he doesn't want to do it, but they convince him to go to his own wake, 
and he sees Keiko crying over him, his 29-year-old mom, which is supposed to make you empathize with him more. He doesn't have a dad, and obviously his mother was too young to take care of him. Unfortunately for me, this reading, I was just like, I'm older than Yusuke's mom, and felt depressed. Yeah. But anyway, it's particularly Kuwabara, his like school rival, who he's always fighting coming in, and like crying, and like basically trying to be a tough guy, but yelling at him, hey, you weren't supposed to die this way. Yeah, I still need to beat you. Yeah, that like pushes him over. And also he sees his principal like kind of standing up for Kuwabara when some of the other teachers are like, oh, those punks are disrespecting a nice funeral here. Yeah. And then we also see the kid that he saved show up and be like, well, can I go see him when he's not in the box? Like, I need to thank him for saving me. And I, I don't want to I want to say that's like the straw that broke the camel's back. It does kind play of that way, especially here, although for me, it was always the Kuabara thing that that was stuck the, out to me. Yes. I think because the writer whose name I can't remember is so good at writing friendship, both like Goad and Kilua's like young friendship in Hunter Hunter. Yeah. And here this like more manly. We can't admit that we're friends, even though we definitely are and depend on each other all the time. Yeah. And can't express that friendship it's also very good at writing that yeah and he's even pretty good at like the romance angle with keiko and yusuke despite yusuke always abusing her like you kind of get it and how she's like oh no i just don't put up with his bullshit he's just trying to get under my skin and i know that keiko's actually a really strong character early on in this which is like the pleasant part of being surprised by this yeah because i've always liked keiko but unfortunately when it gets to the more shonen stuff like a lot of those anime, she kind of fades into the back and becomes more the girlfriend, even though the writer is clearly trying to give her stuff to do. Well, even then, a lot of the stuff takes place like in the spirit world yeah. and stuff where she can't go at yeah. all. Or so like, it's like she's off in the distance. And about half this manga is a tournament arc where all she can do is sit and watch. Is she even watching? Yeah, she's yeah, in the, okay. she actually goes and like... I got you. But yeah, she's like just spectating. Yeah. Um... So it's really nice to see how willful she is in this. How like, like I said, it has a lot of that romantic Japanese delinquent fantasy going on. Yeah. And she's like always not literally spitting in the face of delinquents, but always standing up for herself and her friends. Yep. And that's nice. And like her weird kind of relationship with Kuwabara where like they barely know each other, but are in the same circles. Yeah. It's kind of nice that like Kuwabara doesn't exactly rescue her, but him and his gang get to like go defend the honor of these other girls at their school yeah and then we have the time where yusuke takes over kuwabara's body and uses kuwabara to tell keiko that he's still alive yeah and specifically that he's basically in a coma and he's got to tell them hey don't burn me yep there is also the weird thing though about after that where botan's like well the rules say you can't talk to your supporting cast so even though we've set up this really cool girlfriend character and your mom they have to be out of the manga for a while so we can go on ghost adventures Yep. And that makes, that's probably the biggest weakness. Some of the individual ghost adventures are good, but not having that supporting cast hurts them. They get around it a little bit with Kuwabara, because Yusuke doesn't see him as a friend he's kind of allowed to interact with. Yeah, but it's also still very weird where it was like, oh yeah, the rules say you can't talk with them, and even Yusuke's like, so why was I able to talk with them then? Oh, well, because the rule hadn't come into effect yet. It it only comes into effect tomorrow. Okay. Yeah, and it's a lot stronger when, like, Kuwabara and Keiko can be around. Like, the Kuwabara-focused chapter where he has to not get into a fight so his friend doesn't lose his job is probably the strongest one in this volume. Yeah. 
And it, again, really goes into like Yusuke and Kuwabara's friendship. And the thing where, again, if you're not familiar with the series, Kuwabara has a really strong sixth sense, which also links him to ghost Yusuke. Yeah, so he can sense him around, and that's why he was able to hop into Kuwabara's body, was he had a very strong sixth sense. Yeah. The one other weakness of the series is that it's really individual, the chapters. And we talk about a lot of the Shonen Jump ones, like their first story in there will be like an individual. Here's what a typical story looks like, and then it'll go more serialized. But up until the final chapter, they're all self-contained stories. I guess the first two run together. But yeah, after that, they're just individual ghost stories. Yep. And like just having no sense of to be continued. Those stories are all, like I said, fairly strong, but it seems like that's a real useful technique for getting people to keep reading that's just not being used. At least until the final story where Yusuke has to go possess his body to, so it doesn't, like, deteriorate, basically. Yeah. But again, he's not allowed to talk to anyone he knows. And Botan's like, you should just, like, take a nap for a day. He's like, oh, I gotta go sinning, sorry. We gotta go gambling. And yep. then there's, like, the final shot of that is, meanwhile, like, Kuwabara's gang is getting into a fight with another school gang uh, based on some previous continuity and because Keiko's friends were getting in trouble. And he's just at the casino, and the old guy next to him is like, oh, I haven't seen you in a while. He's like, yep, oh, been dead, <laughs> as he pulls the lever. Yep. Which is a pretty cool, strong cliffhanger, but... Yeah, it just... It was definitely a weird disconnect reading this when the only place I had seen Yu Yu Hakusho was the anime. And like you said, the story takes a very sharp turn after this. So it's just like, oh, yeah, I forgot it started out like this. There are three, maybe four volumes of this before we get to what you would consider the anime to be, where it becomes one of the most shonen manga of all time. Yes. So it is a weird starting thing. I think we're going to have a similar experience with Yu-Gi-Oh! pretty soon. Oh, yeah. Where, as you know, Yu-Gi-Oh! starts out as just, it's about games, before he discovered Magic the Gathering and that took over the manga. Yep. But I did really enjoy it. Again, there are some problems in it, as we talked about, both in pacing and in some of the material. But Yu Yu Hakusho is and remains one of my favorites after revisiting it. Yeah, uh, I'm not a huge fan of the start of it. It's not like I don't like this kind of spirit of the week style thing, but it it just knowing what it is makes me go like, so so when is he going to start fighting people? Yeah, there is certainly a degree of which, if you're expecting that, you're going to be kind of disappointed. Yeah. And if you're not, maybe you're not going to stick around for when that shows up. Yeah, I, it just, it's, knowing what it is, I can't really go back and be like, well, I can't unsee all of the anime that I saw for reading this. So, it's not like it's bad and I don't like it. It's just like, I'm essentially now just waiting for it to turn into what I know it is becomes yeah anything else we want to say about you haka show i'm we're definitely going to revisit it it's one of my favorites yeah um i'll be interested to see where that goes because like i said i've never read you you haka show i've only seen it so i'm sure there's differences between the adaptations they get very very similar after a little bit you you haka show the anime gets a lot of credit for being very close to the manga other than the like chunk it skips at first yeah and being a very strong adaptation in general. So, yeah. The ending is pretty different because they started to catch up, and Yu Yu Hakusho, unfortunately, one of its weaknesses is it kind of peters out at the end rather mm. than going out with a big bang. I gotcha. But, like, for the bulk of it, they're very similar. Just, you know, a little bit more violence in the manga, more smoking and middle fingers, things you're not allowed to do in anime. Yeah. 
So shall we move on to personality power level then? All right. Vegeta, what does the scouter say about his power level? So personality power level is the segment where we rank manga characters from best to worst. At the top is Yuzuki Midoriya, the best boy. He's not a delinquent at all. Nope. At the bottom is that guy who's not Yamcha, but is kind of a delinquent from that time I got reincarnated as Yamcha. I mean, I guess he's kind of a delinquent. And dead center is Ichigo Kurosaki from Bleach, who is, according to his character profile, delinquent. I don't know that we see any evidence of delinquent activities from him. He tends to not go to school. Yeah, because he's busy saving the world. Yeah, but I mean, that's... He's not like he's skipping. He's been labeled a delinquent, yeah. not necessarily that he is one, because he's skipping school. That said, Ichigo and Yusuke are super super comparable characters. Like, Ichigo seems very drawn from him. Yeah. And Yusuke's my son, so I feel like he's going to do pretty well on this list. He's definitely better than Ichigo, right? Yes. Like, he, in my opinion, is a near-top shooter. We talked about how influence Yu Yu Hakusho gets by Dragon Ball later. He's way better than Goku. Yeah, definitely. He's definitely, like, a character archetype of the delinquent, but he's kind of my favorite of that archetype because he gets, A, to explore a lot of those ideas more than some of the other ones do, and also, B, as the main character, he just gets a lot more development than those do. He's not just a trope. Yeah. So going up to Luffy, I also definitely like him more than Luffy. I mean, Luffy's got... Luffy's edge is that he fits a lot more in different stories. Like, one of the problems with writing Yu Yu Hakusho, according to the writer, was he just got to the point where he, his world wasn't big enough to put Yusuke in more stories. But that I said, gotcha. I feel like that's a limit of the world, not the character. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I I can see liking him more than Luffy. I, I, are you agreeing with me? or are you? No, yeah. Okay. So number three, we have Sailor Moon, and that's kind of where I draw the line. Like, I don't think he's better than Sailor Moon. Sailor Moon is more inspirational. And she works in a wider variety of stories. Yeah. I can't put too much into Sailor Moon, because like I've said, I can't really remember her character much. Like, it's been a while since I've read any of her stuff, but I could go with that. Okay, which means the final question is, he better or not than Emma from The Promised Neverland? Mm. Which is hard for me. I really like both of them. Yes. I feel like Yusuke gets better development and is used better, but I haven't read all of Promised Neverland, and Promised Neverland isn't over. Yes. So I feel like because Yusuke's story is complete, and like I said, Yu Yu Hakusho does kind of peter out, but at the same time, it does feel like Yusuke's gone from being a weird delinquent to knowing what his place in the world is and being a reasonable person. Yeah. So I'm tempted to put him above, but I could definitely be talked out of that. I could put him above for now because, like you said, Emma's story isn't done. So that kind of, it's not like I don't like her because of that. But because I have seen Yusuke's full arc, I understand his character more than Emma, who we're still kind of in the middle of. Okay, so Yusuke Yurameshi goes at number four, above Emma and below Usagi Tsukino, a.k.a. Sailor Moon. All right, so that does it for this week and technically this month, but Shonen is continuing all summer long. Can't beat the heat, read some shonen manga. So, Kevin, what are we going to read next week? So, next week, we are going to be reading Shaman King, another thing that I've only seen the anime for, and I'm now interested in watching the manga, or watching <laughs> the manga, watching the manga of. So, Shaman King is the one manga I actually really got into when Shonen Jump was really starting to push manga in the U.S., because 
I was on a bunch of forums that hated that 4Kids dub of Shaman King, even though maybe 4Kids best dub. Their Pokemon dub's pretty good, too, uh, yeah. if we're being honest. But Shaman King is the one where it felt like they were kind of trying. But also, they're still 4Kids, so we still gave them a bunch of crap for it. Yeah, I mean, people on the internet are always going to hate. Well, yeah, especially dumb 14-year-olds on the internet who don't know any better. Yep. So next time we will be reading Shaman King. In the meantime, if you'd like to listen to our past episodes or see the personality power level or join our Discord, you can do that www.lastpodcast.com. That's also where you'll find my other two podcasts, Last Time on Video Games, which is a bi-weekly now video game review podcast where we play old video games and talk about them as well it's it's a gundam our episode by episode gundam seed podcast that is in the best part of gundam seed right now the best episode should be airing next week i think it might be two weeks from now i should double check on that if you like the podcast please tell a friend or give us five stars on apple Podcasts. that helps other people find the show our opening theme is fighting against one's will by midair machine our closing theme is a psychic fist fight by tom w emirate other music is by Spectacular Sound Productions, and our album art is by Kate Wind on DeviantArt. Kevin, is there anything you'd like to plug this week? So this past weekend, there was a very important series finale that happened for Star vs. the Forces of Evil, so I recommend you all go check that show out. Uh, it gets Tyler's seal of approval on this week's episode of Last Time on Video Games, so it was two approvals from yep. the last podcast family. It's definitely been one of my favorite cartoons to watch recently. And while I'm sad to see it go, I really liked watching the series. So I recommend you guys check it out. And we will see you next week. Stop.